So hey guys, we're back and we have another one for you. And uh, today's guest is is going to be great. I think you're going to love this uh, the story. Um, we have uh, someone really influential in uh, Western history and writing and uh, research and and magazines. Uh, before we get into that, our guest. I want to thank our friends at Tombstone Epitaph, one of Arizona's longest-running newspapers at tombstoneepitaph.com. If you like a newspaper form uh, type of print, you want to read it on the go or take it on the plane or wherever you go, and you like newspapers, then I urge you to subscribe to the Tombstone Epitaph by going to tombstoneepitaph.com. I want to thank my second family at the Wild West History Association at wildwesthistory.org. And if you're looking for factual history and you're looking to be in a group of people that love the facts and the facts only, then you're going to want to join at uh, Wild West History by going to wildwesthistory.org. We have Roundup 2024 coming up at Fort Smith, Arkansas, and we would love to see you there. Uh, so go, if you'd like to, to join, become a member, be part of our second family or my second family, then go to wildwesthistory.org. And I want to thank uh, my friends over at the BTK Coalition. Uh, you can find out more about them at btkcoalition.com. And that's all things Billy the Kid. And so go check them out. Um, go online, check them out, subscribe, become a member. And uh, they got some cool stuff going on at btkcoalition.com. So today we have uh, Dave Lauterborn on the phone. Uh, Dave has got an insane background. We're going to talk about some current events. And we're going to talk to him just about how he got to where he is today. Uh, welcome, sir. How are you? Howdy, Mike. How are you? Good. You, I read your bio... On LinkedIn, I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to actually read it because it's actually a really great bio. Um, experienced editor, publisher, writer, uh, excuse me, experience, ex I can't even say it. Experienced editor, published writer, author, and photographer. He's tenacious researcher and fact checker. Shep herded um, some 300 magazine issues into print. Authorized two travel guides and edited more than a dozen others, and has posted 1,700 plus online articles. His specialties, including book and magazine editing, writing and research, meticulous photo and map editing, uh, planned travel itineraries. Um, Got to read that right. Planned travel. Oh, yeah, he plans travels and itineraries. Uh, his favorite tools include Adobe InDesign, Photoshop, and WordPress. Uh, he is, uh, his focus is to travel and history, uh, actually drives his creative energies. Uh, he's roamed millions of miles and shaped millions of words to relate adventure stories, uh, unbound by time or place and has, uh, rewarded by beautiful work and pleased writers and happy readers. Um, I think I, I, I think I got that right, but pretty yeah, much, blushing. yeah, but pretty well, listen, I'll, I'll continue to do that. And uh, I'll, I'll kiss up to you the whole way through. Um, <laughs> he's got an extensive background. He was a copy editor uh, for Atlanta Magazine from 1990 to 1997. He was a copy editor for Virgin Island Daily News. I, I can't even imagine. Did you live in the Virgin Islands when you were doing that? Yeah, we did. We did for an idyllic year and a half. Oh uh, it's, a, it's a strange uh, disconnect with the main reason we're here today. But yeah, we did. 
We were we uh, moonlighted as editors then, and daylighted as Patty dive masters, leading people on underwater tours of the reefs down there. Crazy. Uh, he was. I love that. He was the editor um, of Lonely Planet Publications, a freelance editor. Then he got into managing editor for Wild West Magazine and Military History uh, from 2007 uh, to 2020. Till Friday. Till 2012. Well, hold on. You were the managing editor from 2022, excuse me, 2007 to 2022. And then you became the main editor uh, from WWM uh, and Military History from 2022 to 2024. Um, he has an extensive background, including no, numerous awards and honors, uh, the Spur Award, Will Rogers Medallion, Western Heritage Wrangler Award, Six Shooter Awards, multiple times, and just on and on and on. You've got an, an insane background. Um, welcome. How are you? Thank you. We've been, yeah, we were, we were actually tallying up the awards the other day for Wild West contributors um give credit where credit is due our contributors are an amazing group of people we've had a, a remuda of writers that have included such names as robert otley stephen ambrose jerome green hampton sides paul hutton john bosnecker and many of these are also um folks that are, you know are members of the wwa and wwha uh just an incredible group of people and they racked up 23 of those awards that you mentioned uh, in the in the 17 years that I uh, have been working for History Net and uh, Wild West. So be, was it just a natural progression, though, that if of your career where you were managing, managing editor, editor, um, freelance, photographer, all of that, that you be, got into Western history? Or was there something... I credit, I credit my parents for the go. travel. Um, my father was a... Uh, early um, ad man, you know, if you remember the uh, the, the Mad Men uh, TV series, that was my father. And my mother was a Pan Am stewardess. Uh, and they actually um, uh, met um, because the stewardesses had an apartment uh, over the uh, one floor above the Mad Men, the General Electric Mad Men that my father belonged to and invited them to a party one day. And that's how my parents met. And well, that's how I came about <laughs> and uh you know um it, yeah so that's my love of travel um whereas a lot of kids um got toys and get electronic stuff we went on trips and we've we went all over the u.s and i love the united states i've been across the country myself five times by car on massive road trips I, the longest was um, twenty one thousand six hundred and nineteen miles door to door uh, over four months and love this country. And so when this opportunity came up in 2007 to join the history net group of magazines, I leapt at it and I, I have loved the ride. And unfortunately the ride came to an end on Friday. Um, and so it's, it's bittersweet. Um, mostly sweet. I got to tell you to be able to work with that, group of people for so long has been magical but before we get into the you know what happened and kind of give a general explanation um you have worked with like you said some of the biggest names in western history and military history do you have like like a favorite now and and i'm and it's hard to say that because you'll say well they're all favorites but do you have 
and, and I'm not asking you to pick one writer or one historian above the other, but do you have one or two where you, in your 17 years where you like, holy crap, that one stood out. And I, I can't believe that I actually got to be a part of that. Well, there are definitely experiences. I'd, I'd say just meeting these folks at the various conferences uh, each year has been the, the, the greatest pleasure. Um, you know, that's such an honor. Um, for military history, I actually got to meet some um, historic figures. That's a little bit of difference there. You know, Wild West, we're talking about uh, history that there's really, there's, I mean, there are people alive who were alive when the people we write about in, in Wild West were alive, but there's no one from those times still living. Military history is a different, um, different animal altogether, and I've had the honor of interviewing um, such folks as um, Dick Cole, the last uh, of the Doolittle Raiders, wow. um, the ones that uh, mounted that bomber raid on the home islands of Japan. Uh, before he passed, um, Frank Buckles, who was a neighbor actually here in, in uh, West Virginia. I live in the uh, panhandle of West Virginia, Harper's Ferry. And um, Frank Buckles was the last living doughboy from World War One, And um, he and I spoke for seven hours in his living room uh, one evening years ago. He was 107 at the time. Um, I asked him his secret of longevity. He said, Every evening before I go to bed, I have a very good glass of port. And then he asked me, would you like to join me? And I, I said, twist my arm. <laughs> and uh, another person that's a delight, uh, actually a highlight probably uh, of, of all of the people, was uh, Gail Halverson. Um, probably no one uh, recognizes him by name, um, but by nickname they might the candy bomber of the Berlin airlift. Um, Gail was flying supplies into West Berlin when it was blockaded by the Russians. And uh, he, uh, on one flight, ran across a, a group of West Berlin kids who uh, clamored for the gum that he had in his pocket. And he didn't have enough sticks of gum to go around. And he said, I'll come back tomorrow, and when I fly over the airfield, I'll wiggle my wings. And the kids went, was ist wiggle? And he said, you know, he wobbled his arms to show them what it would look like. And he, uh, that night, he had all his bunkmates get, gather all their candy rations. He tied little um, handkerchief napkins to each chocolate bar. And then as he flew into the airport, Tempelhof in Berlin, uh, the next morning, he wiggled his wings and he said the hilltop where all the kids were exploded with their arms all up in the air. And then he slid those candy bars down a pipe that was right there in the cockpit. And all these little parachutes, you know, he imagined opened, but he couldn't see it, obviously, from the cockpit. So when he landed, he turned the plane around and he saw all these little hands reaching through the fence, waving the handkerchiefs. So he knew his mission was done. Wow. So I think that meeting him and talking with him and all those folks and, and everyone in the Western um, niche um, it's a, it's a, such a good group of people. Um, I don't know if your listeners know how small it is. It's probably 150 to 300, somewhere in there of us that, uh, put all these books and, and magazines and podcasts and everything together. And we're like a small family. And, uh, it's just been a, a great privilege. 
when when you got the chance to become the managing editor because you went you went from Lonely Planet, you were doing freelance work, you were a travel editor, and then how did it come about that this position came to you? Was it a like an Indeed.com where you're on a job board or was it a recommendation that, hey, we got this magazine that's looking for a managing editor? Like, like, how did you get the job? The grace of God, Mike. Really? <laughs> In those days, um, you know, 17 years ago, uh, it was classified ads. You know, there might be, it might have been a Craigslist post or something. Um, the editor of Military History was actually looking for a um, news writer. Um, which I had lots of experience doing. And so I, I came aboard. He liked the work I did and offered me a job. I took it. And then the next few months, uh, the um, publisher asked some of us on staff to take on two titles just to kind of spread the wealth. And um, I said, I just came out with it. I said, I want Wild West. Now, why did I ask that? Well, that's a longer story, and it goes back to childhood. Um, I'm not bragging, uh, but we have a family, um, a branch of the family tree that is Cody's. Mm. And Julia Anna Cody was my great-great-grandmother and swore up and down, oh, that's, we were cousins. I am a second cousin of Buffalo Bill. But, you know, she's Irish. Uh, the Irish are great storytellers. Um, we've done a bunch of genealogy. We have not been able to find the connection mm -hmm. with Buffalo Bill's Cody's. But <laughs> I'll stick to the story. I like the story. Anyway, when I was a boy, that fired my imagination. Uh, that and American Heritage Magazine, which is also uh, gone. And um, uh, I particularly remember American Heritage came out with a, a book uh, it was called The Book of Indians. And in the center of that book was a portfolio of portraits of Indians who took part in the Battle of the Little Bighorn and some just ferocious-looking fellas. And it always intrigued me. And so I was a big history buff when I was growing up. Um, when it came time to uh, leave high school, this, uh, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm well into my sixth decade, uh, there were things called the achievement tests, and they had subjects. And I took the history achievement test and the English. And I thought I'd do better on the English, but I actually scored a perfect 800 on the history. I love history. I've always loved it. So when this opportunity came up, I, I absolutely seized it. And I don't intend to leave. <laughs> but I got you. So the opportunity comes. You're now uh, in a in a managing editor role, but, and you paid your dues. You were there from 2007 to 2022. Yeah. You, you, you paid your dues. You worked your way to the top. You were, you were building relationships and doing your thing. And then the editor position came up for both, for the WWM and the military side. Yeah. 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 And so tell, tell us about that. How, like, What's the difference between a managing editor and an editor at a massive publication? Well, let me back up. Um, so to give credit where credit is due again, the 
um, the editorship uh, has, for the 36 years that Wild West was publishing, there were only three of us. Uh, the founding editor was Bill Vogt, and uh, he was the editor from 88 to 95. 95 to 2022, a lot of your um, uh, podcast guests will recognize editor Greg Lelier, um, who, uh, who hired me. Uh, you know, we, we worked together as a team for uh, like 12 years of that stretch. Uh, and, and then I, like you said, I was fortunate enough to, to take it over from Greg in 2022. Um, it has been a remarkable, uh, transition, a remarkable ride. Um, for much of the time that I worked under Greg, I was, um, I fact-checked everything that went into the magazine, uh, wrote uh, pieces, um, edited everything, every word. Um, and together, you know, t teaming up, we, uh, like I said, I, I think it speaks for itself that we, we won 23 of the, the um, industry awards over that period. What is the difference between managing editor and editor? Um, I, you know, it's funny. I always wanted to take, you know, Greg understood that I wanted to succeed him as editor. Um, and I guess the only difference is paperwork. Really, uh, managing editor, you know, all the same responsibilities. Um, the editor's role is to be a, a liaison with the writers, which I really enjoyed, um, and to do all the contracts and do all the paperwork. And also, um, a real privilege to plan each issue. And, um, uh, that brings up the, the last issue, the spring 2024 issue, which uh, is on Zinio, um, is a, about the most perfect issue, cohesive, entertaining, well-written issue that, that um, I've had the privilege to, to work on of all of the magazines I've ever worked on. Um, so I hope your readers uh, had a chance to see it, get it, um, if not, they can Facebook me, and I, I will <laughs> I will send them a link. <laughs> so, but let me ask you, before you get to that, because we have to be careful before we get to it. When you went from a managing editor to an editor, and Greg had this position for a long time. Yeah. And the decision was made to hand over the reins. Did Greg look at you at any point and say, listen, I've got some advice? Like, you're the guy. Like, here's all the things that I've learned. Did he give you advice? Oh, we had planned it. Actually, um, the timing turned out to be perfect because Greg had um, long been planning to retire. Oh. So the timing was just absolutely perfect. Um, the thing that was the challenge, I guess, for those of us uh, editing the titles is that for since... That, uh, the, the timing on that was um, uh, October uh, 2022. For all of that time till now, 12 of us have been putting out all nine magazines. Mm. And that's, 12 is the, the whole staff, creative, uh, art directors, editors, photo editors, digital, online. 12 of us. It's, it's a miracle that we were able to do it. Um, 
uh, and the, the magazines truly didn't suffer. The, the magazines um, over the past year have been some of the most interesting, well-designed, beautiful issues we've, we've produced. When, God, that's great. 12 people. I was like stuck on the 12. I'm thinking you were going to say 12 and then we had like a subgroup of like another 10 and then we had this and that. But the fact that 12 of you were doing everything. Yeah, 12 is usually the size of one magazine's staff. So were you all working from home and collectively working or was there an office? No, we were, um, by then we had all um, been you know, introduced to the remote working world. I've done, I've done it for some time because Harper's Ferry is actually quite a drive from yes. the offices that we had. So I was, I was the first to go remote, um, and that was about seven or eight years ago. Um, it was going to be a, you know, we're in the Washington metro area. It was going to be a three-hour drive round trip every day mm-hmm. for me to get to the office, and I approached our guys, and I said, look, you know, I could spend that three hours motoring on editing and writing and posting and they said you know you're right here's your computer see ya (laughs) so now you become the editor greg is retired did Uh, greg was the editor emeritus okay he wasn't retired he was doing reviews for us oh okay so greg has moved up into a different position you take over as editor Uh you're doing this stuff the 12 of you doing this stuff what changes were there? Was the magazine so perfect that in that for you? Because everybody brings a little bit about themselves to every role. So were there changes where you thought in your mind, like when I become an editor someday, I want to do this or I want to add this extra article or I want to bring on this historian to do this piece? Or was everything left alone? Mike, we just had a wonderful team. Um, I had... You know, in my role as as fact checker all of those years, the lead fact checker, I was in touch with, uh, you know, first of all, I was I was in the articles as deep as as deeply as uh, the authors were, because, you know, when, when you properly fact check, unlike fact checking today, uh, you go through everything and you go into the original sources. So you're you're going over the same ground that the author tread. Um, so nothing changed from that perspective. What enabled us to put out the same quality magazines were the talented people we had working uh, for us as contributors and uh, the team itself. The team, um, while we're on the topic, our art director was Austin Stahl, who did just elegant designs. Again, I recommend people look at the last a uh, year and a half of issues just to see how wonderful uh, his work is. Um, our photo editor, uh, Alex Griffith. Um, Alex plumbed every archive, and he's also a talented writer. He, he was writing um, bits in our newsletter for us. Uh, he's a double threat. And then um, our longtime research director, who also happened to be a former editor of military history, uh, John Gutman, who's uh, just an encyclopedia of uh, military history. So when you have a team like that, it's hard to make a misstep. Right. The magazine's cruising along. 
and without getting into the negativity part and, and stuff like that, um, were there, I don't, well, no, I mean, cause the magazine's cruising along and then eventually there was a decision made to no longer publish the magazines. Um, it came in stages. So, uh, the big part of it was the economy, um, with COVID from COVID through, uh, the current um, inflationary times, especially the inflationary times when the cost of paper doubled, uh, the cost of printing went up, uh, the cost of transportation soared, all of that, um, that triple threat um, hit our industry across the board. Um, uh, you know, it drove us ultimately out of business, but... Um, even over at True West, our, our friendly competitors' um, business, they had to cut back six issues a year from 12. Um, it's hit all of us very hard. For us, the misstep we made was to go digital only um, without keeping a print edition. And uh, I, I, if there's a lesson to be learned out of this, it's that the readership of these history magazines, and I mean the, the industry, tend to be older. Uh, they prefer print. Um, they will use digital, but they use it as a supplement. Um, and they are loath to give up their print edition to the point where most of the readers, you know, asking, where's my print edition? They'd write in and say, you can charge anything you want. I'll pay it. I, I want it in print. So we we need to listen to our readers. Um, we didn't, and we paid the price. Which brings up, to move from that then, which brings up a conversation that you and I have had on the phone today um, uh, in the post or in the pre-interview, which was the way that Western history is consumed. And and. You and you and I had frank, very frank discussion. I said, you know what? I'm I'm a podcaster. I've been doing pod, Western history podcasts since 2019. My my listening rate keeps going up every month. And I made the mention that you know people like to consume Western history in a in a digital format and a podcast format. And you you even said he's like Mike. I you know I disagree. It's are we consuming it differently? Is it is it something that's there that that on the Western history side? I, maybe you answered the question already, which was not moving away from print. Is it something that we're We've doing? We've been discussing this as a team and for you know a long time now. Um, really, since we started uh, offering digital editions, um, digital offerings, uh, ramped up our website. So really, for the whole time that I've been uh, with the group. And uh, in the niche, um, the niche tends to be an older set of folks. Um, you know, th there are generational differences. Um, but I'm finding that most of them prefer print. And uh, they will go to the digital for such things as podcasts. That makes perfect sense, actually, that, that your audience is, is broad and increasing. Uh, because it's, it's, it doesn't matter what age you are, uh, you know, listening to it is, is a wonderful way to, 
you know, absorb the information. Same thing with YouTube. You mentioned YouTube channels. Uh, I think those are very popular for the same kind of reasons. But if you're talking about magazines or journals, um, yeah, it, it needs to be, the print needs to be the center. Uh, the digital is ancillary. Um, it, it, it complements and supplements the print. Uh, and it's, and there, there are great, uh, uses for it, great applications, uh, for the online. Um, but, you know, we needed to listen to our readers. Uh, they want that rustling paper between their fingers. Which I think, like for me, most of my podcasts, 90% of them or so, are, are designed to get the person to, listen to it on a digital format. We're talking about a book or a writer. And then, you know, we make a point to say these books are available on Amazon. We want you to go purchase the book. We want you to read the book. We want you to make that book a part of your library, make it a go-to, a reference um, for factual, a factual history. And, um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I think that's the goal of it. And But I think you're right. I think that, you know, just dropping a magazine completely from a from a, a beautiful, because you can't, Sometimes being able to look at a picture, especially what the WWM was looking at and, you know, what Bob is doing over at Truest, where you look at a photo inside a magazine, there's something about it that's completely different than viewing it from a, a tablet. Agreed. Yeah, there, there is a certain vibrancy to the digital um, when you look at an image on, on di in digital format. But uh, it's a tactile experience reading for, well... Everybody my age and older, uh, it, it, it is a tactile uh, sensation that we grew up with, that's familiar to us. Uh, we even have an affection for it, and we look forward to receiving those issues in the mailbox. So, if you've been, if you'd been, you know, uh, going to your mailbox for thirty years or thirty-four years, uh, and expecting to find that copy of Wild West resting in there. Um, ready for you to read, and then you go out to your mailbox one day, and it's not there, and there's no explanation. You know, it's 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 horrible. I I feel so so much for our readers, and I'm 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 grateful that you gave me this forum too, uh, so that I can explain to them what happened. Well, I think it's if for one, it's out of respect. I think that you have an an insane background, insane reputation, um, just. You know, you've done phenomenal work. And as soon as I read the story, I think that day, I think last Friday, last week, I emailed you. Like you said in a thing, like if anybody wants to get a hold of me, email me. I did within like like an hour. And because there is a story to tell, there is something that readers want to know, like what happened and why and what do I do now and that type of thing. And, right. and at the same time, I think people, I think you as a person you deserve to let people know, like, this is where I'm going. I'm okay. Our staff is okay. The people that you loved are, are okay. And we're going to move on and we're going to do something amazing. Because um, I don't see you retiring. I just don't. It just doesn't no. sound like it. No, you're absolutely right. They are okay. Um, and here's the thing. And this is something that I've been sharing on the forums uh, in, over the past week. The history... Don't don't um, don't grieve for us. Uh, the history, the magazines. I, I like. I, I I have nothing but positive memories. You mentioned negativity. 
the other minute, and I, I have nothing but positive feelings about the magazines. Um, there are back copies available um, on, on eBay. You can find old copies. Um, the, hist- the, the History Net website is, is up uh, and running for the time being, so the, those rich archives are available. Um, it's a rich resource, but the history lives on. The history is there. The history predates all of the magazines that are currently publishing, and the history will continue on. Um, and it's contingent on readers who love the history to purchase those books, purchase those magazines that are still existing, get those memberships to various groups, um, ex- express your love for this, this, this beautiful niche of Western history. And then it's also contingent upon us as authors and editors to keep it going, to keep writing those books, to keep writing those magazine articles, and to launch new magazines. And, th- and I have no doubt that there will be uh, new launches of similar magazines um, in the near future. And those who, that have been going for years and years, like True West, um, speaking of which, um, Bob Bozbell, the longtime editor and executive editor, actually did some illustrations for us, Wild West, 30-some 30, 30 years ago when it first started. Mm. So we're all connected. Right. And as long as we continue that and keep on, you know, pressing that love and championing that love of Western history, um, the market's going to be strong, and the readership is, is going to grow with it. So then, how do we as a group, meaning, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm a small little smidgen of it, but how do we as a group, because on the WWHA side, there was a, a discussion about getting younger people today into Western history, and getting them involved because like movies like Tombstone have been around for, you know, 30 years, whatever that timeline is. And if you go to some younger people and you say, oh, Doc Holliday or Wyatt Earp or Tombstone, they give you this blank look. How do we or how do you think we as a group can reach out to the younger people today and say there is this history that's out here that can't be erased and we would love for you to be involved and get to know more. I think they are. Um, I think there's a, a, a misapprehension there that um, that that young people don't care about history, and I I see that they do. Um, we were having a discussion last night um, online, and uh, it was a an author, well-regarded author, uh, who was talking about some of the seminars that he was giving recently. And he looked out into the audience, and he was surprised to see um, not a bunch of silver hair, um, but actually people closer to his age in the 40s. Uh, and, you know, my feeling on it is history is for people of any age. Uh, if they have an interest, they're going to seek it out. Um, how are they going to get introduced in, to it? Hopefully th- through good teachers like I was. Um, but... You know, you mentioned Tombstone being 30 years old, but there's Yellowstone. Right. Um, there's Longmire. There, there are recent um, series and entertainment that will spark an interest, perhaps, in the, in the, in the field. Um, for me, you know, again, it was an American heritage. Uh, it was the Sunday or Saturday um, matinee 
on TV. It was the Westerns themselves that were still being produced in, in, in my childhood. Um, and then at a certain point, you know, it's baby's milk through the entertainment. You know, that's what initially gets you interested, but that's not the history. You graduate from that. You mature and you have an appetite for the history itself. And I see it happening. I, 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 I don't worry about it. I think it is happening. I think there will always be, you know, avenues to, to get them interested, but the interest is still there. So I'm going to ask you a fun question. Okay, has nothing shoot. has nothing to do. Don't really shoot. Just you know, shoot the question. Okay. So thinking about Western history, my longtime listeners are going to know what's coming. If you're a new listener, I ask this question quite a bit. If David could get in a time machine, ah, David could get in a time machine. Go back to a point of his favorite spot in Western history, all the articles you've written, all the stories, all the pictures, all of this. If you could go in a time machine and go back to a point in time that you've always wanted to see but not get involved. You can't get involved. You can't change history and see oh, it. Oh, darn. You can't. You can't see it. You can, I mean, you can see it. You can't have your photo taken in it. You can't... Uh, you can hide, you can lurk in the background and watch an event or see an event or see something or go to a place. Where would you go and why? Boy, there are so many. There's so many, so many periods. I guess if I if I had to pick one, um, I would uh be in the saddle alongside uh, somebody like Kit Carson or somebody like Buffalo Bill Cody, and you know those 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 people that crossed into so many different aspects of Western history. Um, like I mentioned, um, uh, Kit Carson did. Like me, you know, I, I went across the country five times, right? Road trips. Kit Carson went across the country five times. Only he did it on horseback. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, Buffalo Bill Cody, my possible, perhaps not, <laughs> relative. Uh, he saw so much of Western history. He, he saw so many of the signature moments. Um, that would be fascinating to just... To, to, you know, follow along with them to be be their shadow for a, for a long part of the trail, not just a day, not just a moment. So then, knowing that, I'm going to ask you one more fun question: Is there something about David that your family knows? Maybe a favorite food, or a favorite place, or a favorite song, or something that the listeners, the readers of, of all the magazines that you've worked on don't know anything about, but the family is like, oh, my dad, he's crazy for this. Um, I, had, I had a guest on a while back, a few years ago, that said he drives for an hour to go to his favorite restaurant to have deep-fried mushrooms and ranch dressing. <laughs> so is there something about you, a favorite place, a favorite food that – you could share that nobody really knows anything about but the kids and the family? Well, since it's a Western group, I'll, I'll share a memory from my childhood. Okay. Um, 
you know, we grew up on those Saturday matinees and we wanted to be the Western star. So my brother and I, like a lot of kids growing up in the 60s, had uh, the Western, we had the shaps, the, the kids' size shaps and the, uh, and the vests, you know, and the hats and the, and we didn't have the boots. We, we my mom wasn't going to spring for $70, uh, you know, Durango's or anything. She, she, we, we had our Converse all-star, uh, Chuck Taylor's, which did have those little nifty sheriff's stars on the heels. Mm-hmm. But, uh, so we would, you know, dress up and our wagon was the picnic table and we dragged the picnic table out into the middle of the backyard and I set up a lawn chair. I always wanted to be the driver of the the state. It was our stagecoach. Sorry, it was our stagecoach. I always wanted to be the driver of the stagecoach. I guess I still do want to be the driver of the stagecoach. And we would carry out these like you know Saturday cereals in our in our heads and 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 have these rock and great times. And I've actually got photos. Uh, they're they're uh, blackmail worthy photos of us. Uh, perched up on our stagecoach and, and riding hell for leather into the sunrise. I love that. That's a cool story. Thank you. Thank you for the share. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, anything that you want to add as far as, you know, something to the readers about how much you appreciate it? Just them gratitude. Or, or, Just yeah. pure, pure gratitude. Gratitude to our readers. Um, you know, we had as many as uh, 60, 70,000 readers at our height. Um, I, I'm just grateful for all of you who stuck with us. Uh, you stuck with us through just really tough times in the last several years. And I know you're going to go on to uh, read other magazines, and I hope you enjoy them and thrive on them. And I hope to be uh uh, bringing out um, other magazines for you to read that you'll enjoy. Um, also, gratitude to our contributors. It's such a great group of people. Like I said, it's, it really is like a, a, a large family. And uh, they've been so gracious uh, in the past week, uh, reaching out with uh, advice, prayers, condolences, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just very grateful for that group. And uh, I'm not going anywhere. I'll, I'll, I'll be here in, in, the, in the middle of the reunions and uh, all the family get-togethers. Awesome. Well, I want to thank everybody, as usual. I want to thank my second family at the uh, Wild West History Association at wildwesthistory.org. Uh, if you want a true factual group of people to get together with, we'd love to have you in our family. Again, at wildwesthistory.org. I want to thank... Uh, Josh and his group over at the BTK Coalition at btkcoalition.com, all things Billy the Kid. Um, Of course, uh, Mark and Eric over at the Tombstone Epitaph, one of Arizona's longest-running newspapers at tombstoneepitaph.com. Also, uh, you can find the Cochise County Travels podcast um, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Everywhere that you listen to podcasts, you can find it. Uh, please go back into the archives if you're a new listener. Um, all Everything is an educational. I've been given an educational mark and clean rating for no swear words, so you don't have to worry about uh, uh, protecting your kids or worrying about uh, anything coming out of your out of your radio or your phone or wherever you are, your earbuds. That's going to be offensive. We have a clean mark through iTunes. Um, you can also find the Wild West History Association 
on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, if you're an Instagrammer. And you can find me at Cochise County underscore travels, Cochise County under, underscore travels on YouTube. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as well. So there's just tons of ways to get Western history. I've got 98 podcasts up to this point, and um, this is my 98th. We're coming up on 100, and we have a special guest for the 100th episode already booked. You're going to want to come back to that one, which is just going to be probably in the next month or so. And again, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank David for coming on, and I want to thank all of you for listening. I appreciate you a bunch. Uh, remember, safe travels, and we'll see you soon.